As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're so glad that you can join us. Make sure you go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. With me, as always, is my co-host, Alex Spears. And Alex, tell us what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, the week kicked off with a couple days of mega blowouts. On Friday and Saturday, there were five games decided by 30 or more points, none more dramatic Then a Friday night contest between the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors, a game in which the Raptors hit 100 points before Golden State had scored 50. The Warriors ended up losing by 53, kicking off another amazing week in the ongoing saga of Warriors fans versus Steve Kerr. On Saturday morning, the first trailer dropped for Space Jam, a new legacy starring LeBron James. Reactions to the trailer range from, hey, this looks pretty good, to I'm an adult and here's what the cartoon movie means for the GOAT debate. <laughs> On Sunday, it was Easter, and we learned that Drew Holiday had signed a four-year, $160 million deal to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks. We also saw the first win for the New Look Bulls, an impressive 115-107 win over the Brooklyn Nets. The Bulls now have won three in a row. On Monday, ESPN announced they were parting ways with NBA analyst and Celtics champion Paul Pierce. This after Pierce streamed a board game night he was having with some friends. Videos <laughs> showed Pierce playing games, enjoying some snacks, and dancing with friends. On Tuesday, in his second game back from a prolonged injury absence, Joel MB dropped 35 in a 106-96 win over the Celtics. On Wednesday, Kevin Durant made his long-awaited return from injury, scoring 17 in 19 minutes against the Pelicans. 
We also had a game of the year candidate, an overtime thriller between the teams with the two best records in the league, the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz. Chris Paul scored 17 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter in overtime to give the Suns a 117-113 win over the Jazz. And finally, on Thursday, the Los Angeles Clippers, our Los Angeles Clippers capped off a 3-0 week with a win over those same Phoenix Suns. The Clips are now only two back of the Suns for the second seed and have won 10 of their last 13. What a week, Andrew. You have the wheel to thank, Clippers fans. Thank the wheel for for doing its job again this week. Want to give a shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks for that Drew Holiday deal. Listen... If you're killing the Bucks for that, you should have been killing them from the beginning for even trading for him because you have to do that extension if you trade for him. You just have to. Oh, for sure. Drew had all the all the leverage there. It was it was already set in stone when that yes. trade was made. So if you're poo-pooing that, just stop. Let's see what they do in the playoffs. And then maybe you can Quit poo-poo it later. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the most interesting thing that that <laughs> entered my brain this week in the NBA. And it's definitely not the most interesting thing to most people, but the Memphis Grizzlies, they're on a four-game win streak. They d- completely destroyed the Red Hot Hawks, which they just came out and just destroyed them in the third quarter. They had 18 points behind Grayson Allen, which was really a, a fun game. They're easily in the eighth seed. They'll make the play-in for sure, have the possibility to make the actual playoffs. They're 26-23, and 23, and they also have the 22nd easiest schedule moving forward. And this is all without Jaron Jackson Jr., which I think is the most impressive thing because they really struggled without him last year. And also John Morant hasn't had the best season this year. He hasn't lit the world on fire. And so to me, like huge shouts to Memphis for what they've done this year. I I think it's been impressive. Yeah, they're a fascinating team because by all accounts, this rebuild post grit and grind era has gone amazingly well. They've, they're, they're incredibly deep. They've got the two stars with Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr. Honestly, the only downside of this entire rebuild has been those injuries to him and to Justice Winslow. I guess the question is, looking at this roster, where outside of Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr., where can they raise their ceiling? What of Which of those many, many guys who we all think are like NBA rotation players, which of those guys could potentially make that jump to push this team further in these coming seasons? Yeah. So for this season, balance has been key for them. They've had 11 different leading scores on this team this year. Uh, and they've got, they just have a lot of guys. They're stacked with guys. Dylan Brooks is averaging 16 points per game and nobody talks about him. Jonas Valanciunas has had a great season with 16 and 12. Kyle Anderson has played very well for them, 12-5-3. and three. Brandon Clark, like I think you could think of Brandon Clark as a possible guy for that, but that's not my guy. That's not my ceiling-raising guy. Grayson Allen, solid player, solid shooter. Desmond Bain, a negative, another negative wingspan, solid shooter guy that's going to be a role player. Xavier Tillman, Justice Winslow, if you can ever get it together. And then you have like your way into the bench, like kind of interesting, very skilled guys and John Conchar and Killian Tilly. Uh, I like Killian Tilly a lot. I just don't think he'll be able to play in, in the league for very long just because uh, of health reasons. But none of those guys are my ceiling raiser. Wow, that's, that, you just named a lot of guys, though. I named a lot of guys. This guy was basically traded in a, the salary dump of Josh Jackson from the Suns. The trade mm. was Josh Jackson, this guy, for Javon Carter 
Kyle Korver, and they and the Phoenix sent over two second round picks for this guy. This guy was selected 46th overall in the NBA draft. The Stepien had him 12th overall in that draft. So Pretty they were value. they were in early on this guy, and it is DeAnthony Melton. I think DeAnthony Melton, one, first of all, hashtag free DeAnthony Melton. Get this guy some minutes. He's he's missed a lot of games this season due to injury, but he only plays 19 minutes per game. We've got to up that. So the knock on Melton coming into the NBA was that he he's not a shooter, that he is not going to be able to help you in that way. He's a really nice defender. He can play make a little bit. He's very active. The guy is taking four threes per game at 45% from three. This guy's a real shooter. He has the best effective field goal percentage on the team by far. He's shooting better at the rim than Jonas Valanciunas. And yet, he's only playing 19 minutes per game. Wait, why is that then? If you're so high on it, why why do the Grizzlies not see this? My question is that. I don't don't know. Taylor Jenkins. I'm calling Taylor Jenkins out. Let's get this guy some more minutes. Because I think that if you're going to talk about any of the guys on this team being the ceiling riser, to me, it's D'Anthony Melton. And he fits pretty well as a shooter, as a guy who defends well next to Jaw. He's 88th percentile in points per shot in the league. He's second on their team in on-off plus-minus with a plus 6.5. He's helping them win. Grizzly Bear Blues put out an article this morning on DeAnthony Melton, and here's what they here's what he wrote, and some of this I've already said, but he that DeAnthony Melton has become an elite shooter. He's shooting 45% from three on four attempts per game, uh, which is first on the Grizzlies and seventh overall in the entire NBA. He has the best true shooting percentage and the best effective field goal percentage on the team. And he's shooting 57% on mid-range shots and a ridiculous 68% at the rim, which is better than Valanciunas. And is now improved to where he's shooting a superb 43% on pull-up jumpers. So this is not just some defender off the bench. This is a guy who's been a legitimately great shooter for them. So to me, there is there is a Grayson Allen infatuation there, which I, I don't quite get. I'm not quite getting it. Give me more DeAnthony Melton. Free DeAnthony Melton. That's that's my most interesting thing this week is that this guy needs to be freed. His whole he's been he's been counted out too many times. At the draft, there was only one website that believed in him. That was the Stepien, right? Falls all the way so, to the mid second round. He got traded for nothing. Javon Carter. Come on. <laughs> and they gave up two seconds. And they gave up two seconds. And now, a team that and and maybe he maybe he's playing more. He's he's been out with injury, but Taylor Jenkins uh, a few games ago said that he wanted the Grizzlies to take more threes. He wanted to boost the amount of threes that they were taking, and in this win streak, they've made at least fifteen threes in each game. I think they've made upwards of nineteen threes in a game, which is big time for this team because they are bottom five consistently since since really the inception of Grizzlies. They have been right. bottom five in three-pointers made in the league. And so they're starting to uptick that. And I think DeAnthony Melton's got to be a part of that crew to help them so get there. Is this something that uh, 
is this bubbling up in in Grizzlies world? Like, are Grizzlies fans do they want to see more D'Anthony Melton as well? Yes. I mean, obviously yes. they're writing articles about him. Yeah, they're writing articles about it. My guy Keith Parrish, who does Grits and Grinds, it's a Grizzlies podcast. He also hosts the Fast Break Breakfast podcast. is a huge D'Anthony Melton guy, and I'm hopping on the train. I'm not leading the train, but I'm on it. And we want more D'Anthony Melton. Wow. Well, we have just brought the D'Anthony Melton train to even more people, so it's, right. it's about to get very crowded. Okay. Well, that was you convinced me, Andrew. I mean, when you told me you were going to go through, go over the Grizzlies, I was like, interesting. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you were like, really? You said. I think you said something like, I know nothing about the Grizzlies. <laughs> I just I haven't watched a lot of Grizzlies this year, yeah. even as much as I like John Morant. Okay, well, my most interesting thing this week starts with a nugget. And I know what you're thinking, Andrew. Didn't you do the nuggets last week? Not that kind of nugget, Andrew. <laughs> you fool. I'm talking about a nugget of information that was passed along to us by the Athletics' own Sam Amick and John Hollinger, who wrote a piece this week about the 2021 free agency class. And they wrote this, at first glance, one might think it unwise for a 36-year-old NBA player to turn down $44.2 million if given the choice, but Chris Paul, who will turn 36 on May 6th, has indeed played his way into a world where turning down that massive player option and securing another massive deal now makes all sorts of sense. Or, as we wrote in these pages on Monday, he could agree to an extension now and add two years onto his current deal while picking up the aforementioned player option. Now, why is this interesting? Honestly, Andrew, I had never considered that (laughs) as an option until this week. And now that I've thought more about it, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it could potentially have a significant effect on this summer's free agency. But before we go there, let's rewind a little bit. So back on July 1st, 2018, Chris Paul signs the current deal he's on. Four years, $160 million contract with the Rockets. Just one year later, after a second playoff exit at the hands of the Warriors, the contract had become so bad that the Rockets had to send two draft picks and two pick swaps in a trade for Russell Westbrook. And it was later reported that Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta had been telling people that Chris Paul's contract was the worst he'd seen in sports and business. (laughs) In business, Andrew. Well, what happened since? Chris Paul led the Thunder to their best winning percentage in the post-KD era, taking the Thunder to the playoffs in a seven-game series against the Rockets. He then got traded for good stuff. He got a first-round pick. They got Kelly Oubre, who the Thunder flipped into a likely second-round pick. They flipped Ricky Rubio into what became Alexei Pokushevsky. So all of a sudden, he had this value, and then he's proven that again in a second season with the Phoenix Suns, who are now the number two seed in the Western Conference, 36-15 and record, made his second All-Star game in a row. He's only missed three games in the last two seasons, which was one of the big knocks when he was traded for Russell Westbrook. And that Suns-Jazz game on Thursday night was, I guess it was on Wednesday night, was a great example of how good he's been. He was 29-9 against the best team in the league. Just an absurd display of mid-range shot-making, clutch shots, him being goofy when he tried to give Donovan Mitchell a high five after missing a free throw. It was like the entire Chris Paul experience. He was the best player on the floor that night. Yeah, he was. So now we look at the 2021 free agency landscape. What are the things we know? We know it's a relatively weak class for a couple reasons. A lot of the veterans have already signed, whether it's Giannis or Drew Holiday, Paul George last summer. 
Two of the bigger names, and this came up actually in that article as well, are likely to stay with their teams, talking about Kawhi Leonard and Mike Conley. So what are you left with? You're left with veterans like DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, and then some pretty good but also restricted free agents, Lonzo Ball, John Collins. You don't know if you're actually going to be able to get them. Overall, it's a weak class. We also know that there's a lot of teams who are going to have a decent amount of cap space. So if he opts out, is Chris Paul the best realistic free agent on the market? And after thinking about it, I think the answer is yes. So let's go in, let's just cover some realistic suitors. Obviously, the most realistic suitor is the Phoenix Suns. It would make sense for him to stay there. He's eligible actually to sign an extension right now, today. Yep. And Phoenix is having their best season in over a decade. In fact, you have to go back to the 2006-2007 season to find a Suns team with a better winning percentage. So I do think it makes sense. And if, if I was you know, handicapping it, I would say, obviously, I, I might put it at like 70% or more that he would stay with the Suns. But it's more about like, oh my gosh, Chris Paul has way more leverage. And this kind of Chris Paul experiment with the Suns might be lasting for many more years than I initially anticipated. But then yeah. we go into some other suitors. What about the Knicks? The Knicks are going to have max cap space. <laughs> they need a point guard. They're firmly yeah. in win-now mode. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yes, I would. And they could offer Chris Paul his max, which is $124 million over three years, while still having $20 million or so left over to bring in more help. Now, we know that his, his former agent, Leon Rose, now yep. heading up the Knicks, This is one that we kind of talked about last summer. And one of the complicating factors in a lot of these is that one of the reasons we heard why Chris Paul might want to go to Phoenix is because it's closer to his family in L.A. So obviously going to the Knicks for a three-year guaranteed contract wouldn't necessarily solve that. But there are some other suitors. What about the Mavericks? They're projected to have about $35 million in space if Josh Richardson opts out of his $11 million deal. Could the Mavs offer a three-year deal worth $110 million? It's it's possible. And then you look at the Heat. They're projected to have about $25 million if they don't sign Oladipo or Kendrick Nunn, and they decline some team options on like Iggy and Dragic. That one seems less possible, but maybe if yeah. Chris Paul played out his contract, that would become more realistic. Because I do think you have to wonder, if he just played out his current contract, that $44 million he got next year, what do you think he could get on the open market next season? I'm thinking like the Kyle Lowry deal, like what what we've heard Kyle Lowry is yeah. asking for, which is like two years, fifty million. Yeah, two fifty, so, two sixty. Something Chris. like that. I mean, that. Chris Paul has been a lot better than Kyle Lowry has been. He has. So. And one complicating factor in all of this um, that they brought up in the article is the over thirty eight rule. Uh-huh. So this limits the extent of any deal he can sign this summer because he'll turn thirty eight very soon. Or within the duration of this next contract. So he can only sign a three-year deal in free agency because I was actually thinking like, why wouldn't a team just offer him a crazy four-year deal knowing that it'll probably, you know, not be great at the end of it, but it'll be lower cost per year. Because the other idea here is there are some unrealistic suitors. You know, we've heard about the Lakers and the Clippers. Those names came up last summer and it still feels very unrealistic. But there is this idea that there's a team out there the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are going to have barely anything on their roster in terms of money this summer. And could they be a dumping ground for a team that looks at Chris Paul if he actually was in free agency and says, man, if we could dump a few of these contracts to Oklahoma City, 
we could actually make an offer to Chris Paul. So I just found this super interesting because when Chris Paul signed that contract, when he was traded to Oklahoma City, even when he was traded to the Suns, it never entered my mind that he would ever turn down that player option. And now looking at the free agency class coming up and the landscape, it actually makes a lot of sense. And that yeah. in and of itself is super interesting to me. Yeah, the hope with the player con- the player option was maybe he'll opt out because he just wants a better situation and he'll go sign for $10 million to the Lakers. Now, that was always the thought, if, if there was any hope of an opt-out. And... Uh, yeah, man, I, it's it is so so intriguing because it puts the Suns in a really interesting situation. They're going to have to make a big big decision with Chris Paul a lot sooner than they thought they would have to. Mm-hmm. And the history of the Suns says that they don't really want to pay up. And if they lose him, all this progress and momentum that has been built is stunted big time. And you, man, they cannot, they cannot let him go to the Mavs. Like that's right, the one yeah. that I'm looking at, and I'm just saying, man, they cannot let that happen. They just can't. And I, and I honestly can see it happening because I think the they're like pseudo contenders. The Suns are. We've, we've talked about this. Um, uh, they're kind of at the the lower level of the contenders. But then, if he went and played with Luca, and he was playing at this level. Like they may be like real contenders. That might be a thing. Yeah, I mean the, the other from Phoenix's aspect, it's not just that Chris Paul improved your team because before the season, I think a lot of us were saying, "Oh yeah, I'm high on the Suns, and I could see them being like the fifth or fourth seed." Like yeah. they have so far exceeded even the biggest optimist expectations that I feel like the Suns just have to resign. They have to make this a long term deal with Chris Paul because he's been they so have good. To. Yeah, I mean, everybody's up their game. Devin Booker has been much better this year as a scorer, as a defender, uh, just as a guy who gives effort everywhere. You look at DeAndre Ayton, who has played well lately. I thought he played really, really well uh, throughout this week. And he's setting good screens. I think he's playing with a little bit more aggression here and there. Uh, he's To me, he's like the biggest wild card. And then they have tons of great role players. I mean, the, the Jay Crowder edition was great. The Torrey Craig edition which didn't feel like it was going to be anything because he didn't yeah. play hardly at all for the Bucks. He's been legitimately good for them. So, I mean, they've got they've got a ton of momentum and they can build on this. And even if Chris starts declining some, they have Devin Booker who can fill in the gaps. They have DeAndre Ayton who's getting better. I, I'm, in, I'm impressed, but I just hope that the ownership group doesn't do what they've always done throughout the history of the Suns and screw this up. Yeah, you make a good point that like, Chris Paul, more than maybe any other player, is best suited for still giving you a ton of value in a reduced role as he gets older. So yeah. he really is like a, a perfect fit for them. It's perfect. Okay, Andrew, it is time to celebrate some birthdays. Blow out the candles, get your cake, and eat it too. It's the birthday bash. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. Andrew... After the first six weeks, you are an even 500, 15, <sighs> and 15. It's a coin flip, Andrew. Oh, no. Oh, no. But I'm actually feeling good about your chances this week. So let's okay. jump right into it with two rookies. I think this one's... You, you gotta get this one, Andrew. <laughs> I Sadiq Bay, Sadiq Bay, Kyra Lewis Jr. Uh, 
Kyra Lewis is younger. That is correct. Kyra Lewis turning 20 this week. Sadiq Bey turning 22. What about Spencer Dinwiddie, Dario Saric? Saric is younger. Yes, two for two, Andrew. You're on a hot streak. But this one is tough. Frank Kaminsky, Justin Holiday. Oh, weird. I've never thought of those two in the same... In, in, they've never... I have no connections in my brain to those two. Um, I'll say Frank is younger. Okay, that's what I would have guessed too. Just tell me what you would have, what you, if you would guess Justin Holiday's age, what would you guess it at? Twenty six. I don't know. He's thirty two. No, Justin is. Yeah, he's thirty two years old. Justin Holiday's thirty two. That was shocking to me. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously there's three Holiday brothers, so I, I mean, maybe I'm just getting them mixed up in my head. But I did that, not realize that, that a Holiday brother was 32. That is wild. No, I had no, I had no idea. I would, I bet my life on that, I'd be dead. In fact, I'm making sure. I'm <laughs> going on to <laughs> basketball reference right now just because I don't believe it. Yes, it is true. He is 32 years old. Okay. Wow. Fake young guy. He's been a fake young guy since he was born, apparently. Yes. Uh, okay. What about Chetty Osman, Daniel Tice? Oh, weird. Uh, Chetty's younger. That is correct. Daniel Tice is 29. Another one that was kind of surprising to me. Yeah. All right. And last one, jumping in the time machine, Steven Jackson, Matt Bonner. Oh, Matt Bonner's younger? He is. Andrew, you got four out of five. Matt Bonner turned 41. Steven Jackson turning 43. Wow, you, that, that was great, Andrew. You are back in the game. You are now 19 and 16. Wow. that's I've, I'm feeling good. It's a great day. It's, it's going to be a great day. And it's going to get even better because right after this break, we're going to talk about the Clippers. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Andrew, what is that time of the week? Time to enter the Wheel of Fandom, the segment each week where we spin a digital wheel. It chooses a team at random, and we follow that team for the next week. Last week, the Wheel of Fandom chose the Los Angeles Clippers, currently 35-18, and 18, second in offense, 10th in defense. What happened this week? Well, the Clippers went 3-0. They beat the Lakers, they beat the Blazers, and they beat the Suns. An amazing week for the Clippers. So, Andrew, if the Wheel of Phantom chose the Los Angeles Clippers, who is our guest today? It's my guy, Law Murray. Law, what's up? What is happening? Good to have a chance to talk to you guys. So glad that you're with us. First question, this is your first year on the beat. Uh, I want to know how Clippers fans have treated you. What are your Twitter mentions like? Man... You know, for the most part, it's been great, actually. But I was watching the Jazz Suns game uh, Wednesday night. And that was a great game. I think objectively, if you're an objective observer fan of the game, that was a great game. I was like, you know what? These teams might mess around and get to the playoffs. They, After all, they are the best two teams in the league record-wise. They're at yep. the top of the West, one and two. If they meet in a seven-game series, you watching, everybody will watching. It will be highly competitive. It will be great. I messed around and said that, and a whole bunch of people got in their feelings about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you report for the Clippers, and I was like, I didn't I didn't even say this because, you know, I'm a smart person and I don't feed the trolls. But yeah. I, I was going to be like, bro, I report for the athletic. I just right. cover the Clippers. <laughs> yeah. a, lot of people, a lot of people, they think that you have to be like on their side and whatnot. And it's like uh-huh. sometimes you do and sometimes you got gas for them. So, right. <laughs> you know, uh, you got to keep it. You got to keep it real with yourself and you got to keep it real with people every now and again. But like I said, I don't really feed the trolls. I just do my thing. And I think doing my thing has worked out for me. So, um, you know, it. shout out to everybody who supports and who's reading. Uh, and all the people who understand what we're here for. Yep. So, Law, uh, this was a pretty awesome week to get the Clippers because we got some high-profile games. We also got the debut of Rajon Rondo. Now, it's still regular season Rondo, but we did see something pretty close to playoff Rondo, which is playing Chris Paul Rondo. What have been your early thoughts on the Rondo experience, and how important do you think he's going to be for the Clippers' success going forward? Well, the funny thing is he was assistant coach Rondo for like a week before we actually got to (laughs) see him play. And that actually mattered. You know, he got to come in here midseason and understand the situation that he's in. I mean, he has some relationships built in. And I think we can all attest to the importance of the interpersonal relationships even at this level of basketball and what that will mean, especially for a team with expectations. So, you know, he's coming in here. He knows the coaching staff. Uh, he knows a couple players, but like 
coming in midseason, even a vet of his caliber, it's not always the most ideal thing. Like you remember Dallas, you know, he came in midseason right. there and uh, yep. there was no playoff Rondo. That's that's <laughs> yeah. so uh, this time around, like he came in, he got acclimated, uh, very uh, small role. But last night was a big turning point for him. Uh, he's progressed every game. He's shown a little bit more every game. Uh, last night was, and I and I wrote a little bit about it. Uh, the, the game was big, much bigger than Rondo last night, but that fourth quarter was not. Rondo really uh, took over last night, and if that's something that you get in a game during a seven game series, obviously we see how that can flip. The Rockets found that out last year. Yep. Uh, the Clippers right now are 35 and 18, and more importantly, they have a 60 win pace when Kawhi and PG are both have both played. Uh, they currently have the second best odds on BetMGM to win the West this year. Do you agree with that? And uh, what are the biggest differences between this year's team and last year's team? Is it Ty Lue? Is it the team mentality? Is it they got some of those guys that were maybe malcontents off the team? Like, where where would you put that? Uh. I'm, I can't I can't lie on here and say that I'm expecting the Clippers to make it out of the West. I think that would be a I actually think that would be overachieving for them. Um, it's natural. I mean, the team won only one playoff series last year. Uh, right now, they're not in the top two uh, of the West. They have work to do. Um, do I believe they have the potential to get to that point? Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor together. Uh, last time I checked, they were the best duo playing significant minutes in the NBA. I know uh, some people in this city get sensitive about stuff like that, but I mean, you know, <laughs> facts is facts are facts. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how significant those facts are. Uh, when it comes to the difference between this year's team and last year's team, Teron Lou does make an impact. Uh, Doc Rivers joked about it early in the season, but even when Doc came back here last, uh, last weekend, you know, he... He, he attested to it, uh, not even last weekend. It's been two weeks. This team's been home for so long now. <laughs> you talk about days running together. It's like, how about not getting on a plane in the middle of the regular season for two weeks? Like, the Clippers right. have really been taking advantage of that. But um, even even Doc was like, yeah, like, he, there's a difference there. There's a difference in how the team is using uh, personnel. There's a difference in mentality and poise. And, yeah, guys do like each other. Uh, not to say that they didn't like each other last year. That wasn't the problem. The problem was you had mm -hmm. a clash of a previous era and how that team was led and how that team won. You know, it's different. If you lose it, that's one thing. But when you've won and then you bring in these two other guys, you can say, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, play your game. And they were good for the most part. They were second in the West for a reason last year. But this year they have the added – emphasis the the added motivation even if it's not expressed externally all the time of what happened last year in the bubble you know just like the lakers the year before like you know why they were so focused last year and wind up going to the bubble winning championship all that it's because the year before they they were basically wasting lebron james prime with all the dysfunction and drama that they had going on when you mm -hmm. embarrass yourself when you humiliate yourself and you come back the next year with a certain group of guys you tend to be a little bit more focused on here's what we're not going to do. Here's what we're going to control because there's a lot of things outside of the control and for the Clippers. It's injuries. It's lineup changes. It's it's you know, we're already anticipating some extenuating circumstances blowing up the Clippers season. We don't know what it is yet. We're just like, oh, something's going to happen. But you know what? The things that the Clippers can control, they've done a really good job this year of controlling. And that gives and Ty Lue should get credit for that, too.
Yeah, for sure. So if if the playoffs started today, the Clippers would get to avoid the Jazz, Lakers, and Nuggets until the conference finals, which I'm assuming is the ideal playoff scenario for the Clippers. But if you could avoid those teams, are there any potential first-round opponents in that scenario that would cause significant worry for the Clippers? I don't... I don't believe the Clippers really want to see the Mavericks again, uh, to be honest with you. The Mavericks, uh, everyone's going to remember the 51-point uh, game, really the 50-point half. That game was over at halftime. It's rare you can start writing at halftime. That game, you can start writing at halftime. I wasn't writing. I wasn't at the Athletic just yet. Um, that was back in December when Kawhi didn't play. But even when Kawhi and Paul George were on the floor together, St. Patrick's Day, uh, last month i mean they the mavericks held them under 100 points the mavericks have been oddly uh efficient defensively um we saw it against the jazz earlier this week and the clippers saw it uh on a couple of occasions the the mavericks for whatever reason uh they do a good job matching up defensively with this clippers team as you'd expect a team to be able to do when they ended their season last year so um that was the 2-7 last year, Clippers-Mavericks. I'm not saying uh, that the Clippers are incapable of beating the Mavericks. They showed that they can. But I think that would be a more challenging matchup for them than, say, the 3-6 right now with Portland. They really sh- also shouldn't be trying to face the Nuggets, but we're not talking about that right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it seems like Portland's a great matchup for them just because of Portland's kind of general lack of size on the wings. Um, and we saw it this week. I mean, they really dominated the Blazers. The Trailblazers, they, I actually was intrigued in that game going in uh, of Portland's potential to defend better because with Norm Powell uh, and coming from Toronto, uh, along with Robert Covington, it gives them some guys who force turnovers, which the Portland Trailblazers historically have been very disinterested in forcing turnovers. But that just, again, the Clippers are really good at protecting the ball this year, and they really exposed the Portland Trailblazers defense uh, earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on – there's there's just a, a little group of guards on this team, and I don't really know what to expect with them come playoff time. You've got Kennard, you got Terrence Mann, you got Reggie Jackson. Reggie seems to have kind of emerged as, like, the scorer off the bench. Uh, but well, what are your thoughts on that trio and, and how do they kind of move forward with them? Well, unfortunately for Lou Kennard, I mean, he's the 12th man right now. He's he's going to be used in a pinch in an emergency if those extending circumstances means that somebody's got to play. I mean, Luke's won them games this year. Uh, he has exclusively won them games this year. Just look at the the Hawks game, Rondo's last game with the Hawks. Yeah. He saw it, yep. um, and it's like it's a numbers game. He's literally the twelfth man on this team. That isn't a comment on Luke Kennard. It's a comment on the depth that this team has accumulated. Terrence Mann has played himself into a second stringer. Like when this yeah. season started, he was the twelfth man. He mm-hmm. showed a skill set, a level of improvement, a level of juice and verve that the rest of this roster doesn't really have. And that allowed him to play as a second stringer. But again, because of the way that this team is constructed now that they're fully healthy, he's not playing the same minutes as he was even a week ago. I mean, I think 
he, he's, he has not eclipsed 10 minutes back-to-back games for the first time since Paul George first started missing time due to the foot issue, which brings us to Reggie Jackson. When the Ronda trade was made, it's natural to compare the guy to who you traded for. And what I'm telling people to do is not nah, Reggie Jackson replaced Lou Williams, not Rajon Rondo. So you're exactly mm-hmm. right. I'm looking at Reggie as a shooting guard now. When he was in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City, he was that kind of guy. He was he was he came into the league as kind of a tweener, a combo yep. guard. And we've evolved our discussion of basketball to the point where a tweener used to be a bad thing. Right. It's like, oh, we don't know what to do with you. And we're just we're, we're struggling to f- f- put you in a box. But now the game is a lot more flexible. And so. A guy with a certain skill set can do more and be encouraged to do more based off of who he's on the floor with. And he's going to be asked to score more, and he's fully capable of doing that at a pretty high level considering the bench role. Mm-hmm. So last question for you, Law. Obviously, the biggest story around the Clippers, at least on social media for the past year, has been Paul George. He's just taken a beating on social media going back to last playoffs. How do you think he's handled that this season? And then do you think – are you confident that he can change that narrative in the playoffs? Am I confident about changing the narrative in the playoffs? Um, yeah, there's there's always going to be reason to hesitate because Paul's had some uh, – he, he's, he's dealing with the foot issue, and we've just seen that thing flare up twice. He's had to miss games two separate times. So it's just a matter of uh, maybe, you know, maybe he'll – be struggling with it at the wrong time and that would be very unfortunate on the flip side as discouraging as that foot issue was last week you know when he was struggling to finish against the Denver Nuggets and transition in the paint etc he's been outstanding pretty much ever since he's been great on defense he's taken a lot of crap on the floor we're gonna get fans in the building I'm sure he's gonna hear from them but people forget Paul George is a big game he is a big game player. He has had great moments in on the biggest stage of the of, in in his NBA career. He's got a gold medal. Uh, the Phoenix Suns have been outstanding all year, right? It's twice this year that the Phoenix Suns talked smack to Paul George, and Paul George lit them up completely. Last mm-hmm. night was an impressive display of what he's able to do. Uh, he. In, in a lot of ways, he's humbled himself. A lot of ways, he's done a great job of focusing on the task at hand. He's got a great support system on this team. And so I think he's handled it great. I think a lot of people wish that he didn't handle it great. You know, every, they, they they reach every time he hits the side of a backboard, misses a layup, you know, has a bad right. shooting line. But he's a two-way player. He's evolved his skill set to handle more pick and rolls, more playmaking and facilitating duties on offense. And he's so good defensively that you can put him around a bunch of second unit guys and it shows when they start separating leads. He's 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 uh he he's been outstanding. That's why he's been an all-star this year. The West is loaded. The fact that the coaches voted him in, they they see it. Yeah. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. 
Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, thank you so much, Law, but it is now time for everyone's favorite game show, Andrew versus the Beat, where Andrew goes head-to-head against a beat writer. And of course, this week, our guest is Law Murray, athletic beat writer for the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, let me explain to you how this is going to work. There are eight trivia questions. We're going to start with Law. Law, you're going to give me a number between one and eight. It's going to correspond to a trivia question. It could be a super easy question. It might be a very difficult question. If you get it correct, you will get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. Then Andrew will choose a number, and we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been answered. Are you ready? I am ready. Long ready. Like Lance Stevenson. Let's get it. Okay, so... (laughs) All I need from you is a number between one and eight. All right, well, let's start with three. All right, question number three. Only three players in Clippers franchise history have recorded more than five triple doubles. Bob Kaufman did it as a member of the Buffalo Braves. We all remember him. (laughs) These two players did it as members of the Los Angeles Clippers. So I'm looking for three Clippers or two Clippers? Just two, because I didn't want to make you guess Bob Kaufman. So it's just... Bob Kaufman would have been tough. (laughs) So it's just two guys who have gotten more than five triple doubles, the only Los Angeles Clippers to ever do it. And you have to give me two names. I'm not going to tell you like one's right and one's wrong. You just give me two names. I'll say right or wrong. Oh, man. Let's start with Chris Paul. Okay, that's your first guess. And what is your second guess? And my second guess, uh, you know what? Let's keep it going. Let's just say Blake Griffin. All right. Those great guesses, but that was incorrect. Mm. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Who are the two Los Angeles Clippers to record more than five triple doubles in their career? Both recorded seven. I want to guess one of my favorite all-time Clippers, Lamar Odom. Yeah, that would uh, be a guess. I actually have actually have a Lamar Odom Clippers jersey in my closet really? right now. So I no, do. I got, a, I got an Odom jersey somewhere in there, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you wear it to the show, Andrew? I should have. I should have. Uh, so I'm going to guess Lamar. I'll say Blake. So Blake uh, and Lamar Odom. Are you, is that your final answer? Yeah. That's my final answer. Andrew, that is correct. What? Oh, wow. No. Andrew gets started off to an early lead. This has never happened to Andrew. Congratulations. Okay. You get to choose the next question, Andrew. Seven. Question number seven. The Clippers have had seven NBA Hall of Famers play for them. 
including this Hall of Famer, who played a total of six minutes for the Buffalo Braves. Bob McAdoo? Bob McAdoo, what a guess. I remember I've heard of that name. No, wrong. <laughs> well, you have a chance to steal. This guy is a Hall of Famer. We know some Hall of Famers. Played six minutes for the Buffalo Braves and therefore is a Hall of Famer that played for the Clippers. I know this ain't. I, I know this dude played more than six minutes. I just think we should keep it going. So I'm going to say Adrian Tantley and just be shocked at what you say, Alex. All right. Well, it was a guy who ended up playing most of his career for the Houston Rockets. It is, of course, Moses Malone. Oh, yeah. Malone. Okay. So that was question number seven. Okay. So it is Law's turn to choose a number. Uh, one. Question number one. All right, this is the one I know Andrew would not get, so we'll see if Law can get it. <laughs> All right. In 1981, the San Diego Clippers drafted this future Hall of Famer in the 10th round. The only problem was that he was also drafted by another San Diego sports team the very same day and would go on to make the Baseball Hall of Fame. Who was that player? Uh, Tony Gwynn. That is correct. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Okay, Andrew, you are now down. Right Law has pulled ahead two to one. Andrew, which question would you like? Uh, two. Question number two. Here's an easy one. Who is the Clippers franchise leader for games played with 750? DeAndre Jordan was there for forever. I'll say DeAndre. DeAndre Jordan's final answer. Andrew, that is correct. No. <laughs> wow, Andrew, you're on a hot streak right now. Up three to uh, two. Law, it is your turn. Let's go with number five. Okay. <laughs> number five. This former Los Angeles Clipper holds the curious record for most career 20-point games without ever scoring 30 points in a game. <laughs> Come on. That is a wild question now. Throw, just, just throw a Hail Mary out there and say Eric Piatkowski. That was a good guess. Unfortunately, it is incorrect. Andrew, do you have any guesses for this? Most 20 point games without ever scoring 30. Corey Maggetti? Corey Maggetti. Sure oh, Corey 30. scored 30. It was actually yeah. the caveman, Chris Kamen. Chris Kamen did not get 30. Okay, Andrew, it's your turn. Four. Four. Okay, the Clippers are one of two current NBA franchises to have never made a conference finals appearance. Who are the other two? The Wizards and Hornets. And the Hornets. Okay, great guesses, but that was incorrect. So, Law, you have a chance to steal the only two teams other than the Clippers to have never made a conference finals appearance. All right, I know this one. Andrew, I was, I was, I was just hoping you slipped up, man. Uh, the Hornets are one of them. And the New Orleans Pelicans are a separate franchise, so they're the other. That is also correct. It is a tie game. A tie game, three to three with two questions left. Okay, Law, you get to choose either question number six or question number eight. Yo, I don't like the number six, so I'm just going to go with eight. Okay. <laughs> this will be a fun one. The Clippers have had seven different players make an all-rookie first team, and we're going to try to name them all. 
So Law, you're going to give me a name. If it's correct, then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth till you get all of them correct or until one of you slips up. So who is a Clipper that has made an all-rookie first team? I feel like I'm more on the expressive wheel of fortune right now. Um, <laughs> we're going to All right, we're going to start with Blake Griffin. That is correct. Over to Andrew. He, he was a rookie. Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom is correct. Back to law. So there are still four names to go. Charles Smith. Wow. Yes, that is correct. Charles Smith was (laughs) all rookie first team. That was the one I didn't think anyone would ever get. Back to Andrew. Did Eric, Eric Gordon... Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, that is incorrect, Andrew. So Law gets the two points. The other names, ouch. Terry Cummings, who actually won Rookie of the Year, and then two great names, Darius Miles and Al Thornton. I had no idea that Al Al Thornton's rookie year was that good. Okay, so Andrew, you are now down five to three, but you have a chance to tie it. This could be your first ever tie. You've come very close. The last three weeks, it's come down to the last question. Andrew's had a chance to tie every single time, has not been able to do it. Here is the final question. A Los Angeles Clipper has won five of the last seven sixth man of the year awards. Which players won the other two? I know Eric Gordon was one. For the tie. Um, For the tie. Can Andrew do it? J.R. Smith? Andrew, that is incorrect. Another loss for Andrew. (laughs) Law, do you know who the other name was? Eric Gordon was correct. I'm going to say Lou Williams on the Raptors. That is correct. That's why this uh, question was so tricky because it. it was two former Clippers. Lou Will, well, I guess current former Clippers, and Eric Gordon. Wow. That was the thrilling episode of Andrew versus the Beat, unfortunately ending in another loss for Andrew. Congratulations, Law. Uh, Thank you so much, Law. We appreciate you dropping some knowledge on the show and uh, destroying me in a trivia game. Thanks so much, man. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, That was a lot of fun this morning. Thank you. All right, Andrew. Well, it's that time of the show. Time to spin the wheel of fandom again. We have uh, 23 teams left. A lot of good names on here, Andrew. I'd argue 23 good names. So let's see who we get. Let's spin the wheel. Last week, of course, we got the Clippers. And this yep. week, we will be following the... Is it going to be... Yes! The Golden State Warriors! <laughs> wow. I feel, oh, I feel like good. I wish this into existence because the Warriors... I am going to make the case next week have been the most interesting team. Like for just like everything about them is just so fascinating to the point where I'm on locker room after Golden State wins, listening yep. to Samus Fondiari and Andy Liu because it's like so good. The content is so good. It's so amazing. All the different factors that are going into this Warriors season. So I am thrilled about this selection. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. And the thing about the Warriors is like we don't have just one great person on the Warriors for the athletic. We've got like a billion. So we'll we'll have to sort out who it's gonna be. Oh, I don't know who it's gonna what? be. Is it gonna be Slater? Is it gonna be Ethan? Is it gonna be Marcus? I have no, I don't know. You'll, you'll have to listen to find out. But the Warriors should be a, a very interesting uh 
case study for us and also uh, another another way for me to get destroyed in trivia so oh man thanks so much for listening again to saturday slam and jam if you have a chance go to the athletic nba show on apple Podcasts. leave us a five-star review i read all of those it means a lot to us if you'll do that uh maybe going forward at the end of the show we'll read a five-star review at the end so if you would leave us one uh, that would mean a lot to us. We appreciate the support. If you could retweet the show as well, we'll tweet it out from our personal accounts and then from the Athletic NBA Show account. So do that. Share it. We really appreciate that. Hope you guys have a great weekend and a wonderful Saturday. And we will talk to you guys again next week. <laughs>